this is the morning upon which our entire Christian faith hinges. This is the, this is the crux of the matter. This is where our confidence for life now and our certainty for life in eternity is based. It's on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is what we are celebrating here this morning. And as we said on Friday, um, what an amazing time it was, by the way, uh, just being with you all in church. I already felt like the Lord did something special in our community on Friday. But as we said on Friday, um, if you've been in one or none or a hundred Easter Sunday services, we hope that you will experience something of a newness to the story of the resurrection of Jesus. In terms of what it does to us that are sitting here in this building this morning. What is the significance of the resurrection? What impact does it have on your life when you get up and walk out of here this, this morning and probably go on to enjoy too much roast lamb and malva pudding for lunch this afternoon? I'm not sure. Who's got something busy slow cooking in the oven as we speak? couple, okay. <laughs> but... Um, I was thinking about the little poll that we did on Friday, and I just wanted to start maybe by asking again as a matter of interest, who, who was here on Friday and here again this morning? Who's double dipping? Okay, quite a few. Oh, wow. Okay, that's awesome. Who is, who's just arrived kind of in Jaber? Who's here for the first service this weekend? A couple more. Awesome. All right, welcome. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then who has taken leave for the rest of the week and might just stay in Jaber and never return home because of how amazing the city is? Yeah, there we go. Two hands up there. Praise. Um, but this morning, we really do hope that you'll experience something of a joy about what it is that we celebrate today. And sorry, if I could just ask production, would you mind turning the house lights up just a little bit? I want to see all these amazing faces here and, and, and see the Sunday best dressed outfits. Ah, oh, there we go. There we go. Such an amazing looking church. Who, who's, uh, who, who's winning the, the, the best dressed outfit this morning? Or who won at home? Who, who, who won the outfit? Me? My wife won at home because she chose my outfit. So that's why I was just, uh, she said, I know you haven't slept at all, but uh, at least look like you have slept. So that's why I'm wearing what I'm wearing at the moment. Uh, we're speaking about resurrection power this morning. I need some of it myself because my son decided to wake up at 11 and 2. And then our dog decided to wake up at 3. And uh, kind of uh, he decided to change the paint on our kitchen floor, adding his own color to to the floor. So it was an eventful night in the Dillon household, but we are here nevertheless. Um, but friends, thinking about what we're celebrating this morning, um, there, is, there is a question to be asked of us as we consider this biblical truth. And, and, and I suppose this is ultimately the question that surrounds Resurrection Sunday. What, 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 what difference does this make to me, this thing that we celebrate, that's been celebrated for 2,000 years by billions of people in churches all across the world, um, what, what, what difference does it make? Because it does present something of an uncomfortable reality, doesn't it? The story of the resurrection. There's a, there's a, a little bit of an awkward kind of predicament that it leaves us in as we consider what this is. Here's why. Um, there can be no gray area when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You with me? There can be no half resurrection. I mean, it's either it happened or it didn't happen, right? There's, there, I was debating whether or not I should say this in church. Um, gray area. There can be no 50 shades. <laughs> when it comes to the resurrection, someone just received a word from the Lord there this morning. What are you doing for Easter? I'm burning a book when I get home. 
sipping tea and thinking about my last meeting. But, but this, is, this is the uncomfortable truth. Either it happened or it didn't. Um, and so that's why the title of my message this morning is Believing is Seeing. It's Believing is Seeing. Obviously, it's a play on the word seeing is believing, right? In Christianity, it's the other way around. Believing is seeing. And I mean, lots of, lots of people do still argue this point. And, and I suppose it is easy in a way to argue against theories, stories, concepts. It's, it's, you can dismiss a fact, right? An idea. You can dismiss a, a, a thought. But it's pretty hard to dismiss the claims of a dead man walking. Bit of a tall order. So we go, okay, what do we do with this information? And, and that's, that's why the religious leaders in, 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 in Matthew's gospel literally bribed the soldiers that were watching over the tomb saying, just say that his disciples came and stole the body. Because how else are they going to defend the fact that he was walking around, you know? And there's still this question today. People still debate whether or not this, this thing actually happened. And, and that's fine. I mean, you know, Scripture says that he appeared to over 500 people, Jesus, you know, the same guy at different times, or people all saying the same thing. And it just amazes me, by the way, how, how, how people still kind of try to disprove this, this concept. I'll, I'll end with the apologetics part of this morning's message with a quote from G.K. Chesterton that says, if there were no such thing as God, there would be no such thing as atheists. <laughs> you, need, you need the one. Anyway, um, but if it didn't happen, here's the thing. He has the awkward tension. If it didn't happen, if the resurrection didn't happen, then Christianity is the most ridiculous fallacy ever made, the biggest hoax ever come up with in human history, and we should all just give up what we're doing and go home because there would be no point. There would be no point to having any joy, any hope, any belief for the future at all. It'll just be an absolute waste of time. But, but, <laughs> if it did happen, then the awkward reality is, it is not worth nothing, it's worth everything. <laughs> you see the tension. Friends, what would you do if you saw the risen Jesus? I'm asking this question of myself. Uh, I mean, or rather, how, how aware are we that the risen Jesus is here by his Spirit? Pause for effect. Changes everything, doesn't it? Uh, I use some aggressive language about if it didn't happen, but 1 Corinthians 15, that's where it comes from. Apostle Paul writing to the church on this topic and says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is, ooh, cheapest. Okay, Paul, calm down. And you are still guilty of your sins. Sheep is, okay. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. <laughs> wow. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. That is hectic. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Thank the Lord. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And, and this is the thing. When you see him for who he is, risen king, when you receive him for who he is, savior, you now have the power on the inside of you so great that nothing could ever stop you from living a miraculous life. No matter what obstacle it is that you might encounter. That's the truth. 
That's what, we, that's what we're celebrating this morning. That's the, that's the reality that we are facing right now. You see, there is a hope for eternity in the presence of God. There is hope for living with a kingdom purpose now because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This is the case. This is, we, have, we, have, we have all the hope. There's not anything that's left. You know, think about it this way. The most hopeless situation that you and I as mankind could ever face would be separation from God's presence. That's it. That would be the most hopeless situation we could ever face. Eternal or continuous separation from the, praise, the, the, the presence of God. That, would, that, that is the most, the most dramatic thing that could ever happen to us. Scripture is so clear that creation itself is being held together because of God's presence. We are alive right now because he's given us the air to breathe. I'm speaking these words because it's his breath in my lungs. So if that obstacle, if the obstacle of the greatest hopelessness that we could ever face was obliterated on the cross, then what other obstacle could you face that could stop you from experiencing that same power in your life today? Death was defeated. And if death was defeated, what's keeping you back? What's, what's keeping us back? We're going to read a scripture just now. In fact, let's actually go there, uh, production. Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I'm just going to say that one more time. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Oh man. That's something to think about. Makes you question how we view our waking up tomorrow morning. <laughs> makes you question how we view the job that we go to, the people that we are around to. It, it makes you view the challenges that we face as a nation right now. What is that power? The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The same power that stormed through the gates of hell and shattered the greatest weapon the enemy had to keep us in fear, which was, which was death itself. That power that conquered our greatest enemy dwells on the inside of you. <laughs> I think I'm done now. I'm going to go home because I need, I need to think about that. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 53 to 57, it beautifully details this concept. Check it this. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. So when this corruptible body is closed with that and this clothed with that and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written shall take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Then he gives us an amazing analogy. Check out these words. He says, the sting of death is sin. Think about it this way. Imagine sin was this horrific, grotesque insect of some kind, Right? Anyone here afraid of cockroaches? I think they are Satan budgies. That's my definition of a cockroach. <laughs> Terrified. Burn the house down kind of stuff. Imagine a cockroach, right? Because they are straight from the pits of hell. The sting of that thing called death, it's like it's got a stinger, right? That cockroach is a stinger. That's sin. That's what sin does. Sin wants to pierce you. It wants to, 
It wants to infect you. With what venom? The law. The power of sin is law. That's the venom. This, this reality that there was this life I was supposed to live, but I could never get there. I myself could not get there. I know that. I didn't need anyone to tell me. My own conscience said, Lord, you're messing up. <laughs> I'm missing the mark, right? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How good is that? You see, this is, this is what we're talking about. This is, this is why this is so important. So what effect does the resurrection have on me today? What happens when you see the resurrected Jesus in your life? Well, Friday we went from familiar to final. Today we're going from final to filled. That's where we're going. We're going from final to filled. It's been dealt with. It's been done. So what are we filled with? That's what's left. We are filled. We are filled today. So let's, let's have a look at the account in Luke chapter 24 of some people that are known as the Emmaus Road Disciples. Don't know the other guy's name. We know the one name is Cleophas or Cleopas. Not exactly sure. But this is what happened to them in terms of their experience of the risen Jesus when they were now going back to where they'd come from. Luke 24, 13, it says, Now that same day, the resurrection day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus. That's why they're called the Emmaus Road Disciples which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. You know, I always laugh when our grandparents, you know, joke and say, oh, back in my day, I used to walk to school. You know, it's kind of like these guys are walking seven miles. I mean, you know, that's where it comes from. Those are the real heroes. Anyway, walking seven miles to church. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, can anyone say arguing? Arguing. Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Oh, Lord. They were prevented from recognizing him. Not because of him, because of their own issues. Then he said to them, what is it that you, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. <laughs> I'm going to pick up on that just now. The one named Cleophas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these last few days? Talking to Jesus. <laughs> what things? He asks them. I love you. You're just like, you know, what things? What things are you guys talking about? What are you arguing about? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the one that's staring you in the face, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people and how the chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Can anyone say the word hoping? Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Let's just, let's take a moment and let's just zone in on one or two of those verses again because there's, there's so much in there that I think is relevant to why the resurrection matters to you and me sitting in this building this morning. Verse 15 says, And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began walking along with them. But they were prevented from, from recognizing him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. You know, friends, isn't, isn't it amazing if you're not careful, when you're on the road to your destiny, sometimes your discussions, disputes, and discouragements can cause you to miss the Messiah. You're on the road to your destiny, but you're so busy discussing. You're so busy disputing. You're so discouraged that you miss the Messiah. 
How many people do you know have spent hours and hours and hours debating, discussing, arguing about things and completely missed the fact that he's been staring you in the face? Like Jesus going, guys, um, you're arguing over empty myths and genealogies here, as First Timothy puts it. And he's going, he kind of taps you on the shoulder and goes, um, I'm right here. You know, I'm, I'm with you now that I've got your attention. While you're arguing and discussing, um, would you mind inviting some people over to your home for dinner sometime? There's plenty of people that could do with a warm meal and a safe environment right now. While you're debating and discussing, um, you know, it would really mean a lot to that friend of yours if you would invite them to church. I'm making it personal. While you're arguing and discussing and being discouraged, you know you've been throwing insults at people and trying to get back at them from the harm, for the harm that they've caused you. Would you mind please sending them a message asking them for forgiveness? Praying for them? Matthew chapter 5 again. Hey, hey Lloyd, while, while, while you've been walking on this road, missing me, because you've been discouraged and disputing and arguing, would you mind just being present a bit more with your wife and kids, please? Kind of need you when you're home, but you've been distant, you've been discouraged. A little bit personal today, Yammer, Mensa. <laughs> what does the resurrection of Jesus do? It helps you see better. It helps you see better spiritually. That's what it does. That's why it's important. Verse 25 to 31, Luke carries on to say, <laughs> I love this. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all, in, in, in all the scriptures. Remember how we said on Friday that the Old Testament is just a picture of who Jesus is. See him on every single page. They came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going further. He's like, cool, you know, I'm going to head on. But they urged him, stay with us. Stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it was as he was reclining at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to them. They had communion together. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And we spoke a lot about seeing Jesus for who he is on Friday. And it's amazing how this topic keeps coming up. And so I wanted to say on this, on this point, on your journey with God, friends, don't let discouragement distract you from your destiny. Please don't. He's right there with you. Just keep walking. Just keep going. Eyes up. Eyes up. Just keep walking. Another uh, Darcy quote in church. Keep walking, Johnny. Walker, keep walking. Some of us, that's the revelation we needed this morning. Oh, I know that word. Um, <clears throat> Just keep walking, Johnny. Came here this morning to tell someone, just keep walking, Johnny. Point number one is that seeing the risen Jesus keeps you full of vision for the future. That's what it does. It keeps you full of vision for the future. See, Jesus was removed from these disciples' sight physically, but they could still see him spiritually. They could still see him spiritually. Something in the revelation of the resurrection keeps their sight sharp. Something in the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus keeps their sight sharp. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 18, look at this for a crazy uh, contradiction. Two sides of the same coin when it comes to seeing clearly. 
For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to us who are being saved. Same cross, different sight, different vision. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. This is the Lord. I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is a cool verse because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. I love that so much. It's not saying that God is foolish or is weak. It's saying that by comparison, if you had to use very simple, very layman's terms, this is the effect. And that's exactly what point number two is actually all about. Seeing the relevance, or should I say the relevance of the resurrection for us today is that it keeps us filled with hope for now. That's what it does. It's not just a hope for eternity. We see the risen Lord. We see his power now. And that fills us with hope. Friends, anyone recognize lately that it seems like the world is desperately thirsty for hope? (laughs) Right? It seems like people are starving hungry for some form of good news. Good news that will tell them not only is their vision for the future, that we will spend eternity in paradise with God because of Jesus' resurrected life, but also for now, that same eternal hope is accessible now for us to live in today. Now, I've, I've heard many people say, like, Lloyd, I don't need scripture to necessarily believe in hell. I feel like I'm going through it right now. People have said that to me many, many times over the last nine years of being a pastor. And you hear some of the most horrific stories about what people have endured. And this is why this is so important. You know, think of it this way. Why would you, why would you wait till heaven to use your faith when the only place it can be used is now? Why do I say that? Hebrews 11 says, faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. I don't, I don't need faith to believe that this podium is here. I, mean, I can see it. I can touch it. But let someone tell me this podium is in a building next door, around the corner. I'm going to need some faith. right? I'm going to need some faith, some hope to activate something in me that gets up and goes and fetches the podium and brings it here so we can use it. In the same way, church, This is the only time that you have available to use your faith. You're going to see Jesus face to face. You're not going to need faith to believe in him. You're going to touch him. So with this world that is so desperate, so hungry, so starving for good news, for hope, please, would you see the resurrection of Jesus as filling you up with hope, not just for eternity, but for now. And exercise that faith and step out and express it to share that same hope with someone else. Can you say amen to that this morning? Romans 5, verse 8 to 11. I know I say this a lot about a lot of scriptures, but this is really one of my favorites. (laughs) The whole Bible is my favorite. But this, I mean, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God to the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Church, what's stopping you from taking on the destiny God has planned for your life? What's stopping you? 
Shame, depression, guilt from your past, sense of hopelessness, lack of some kind, insecurity, doubt. Remember Friday. It is finished. And please also remember today that not only is it final, but you're filled. The resurrection of Jesus fills you with hope. Fills you with hope. I've got a lot of scriptures today, but I feel like it's important. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is um, a verse that's often used in baptism, um, in, in, in baptism classes because of how it describes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the impact it makes on us. I'm sure many of us can quote the scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has what? Given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's done it for you. Please, would you do it for someone else? <laughs> you have hope, you see. This is, this, is the, this is the picture. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Verse 20. Uh, since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And this is a beautiful verse. Verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, there's, there's good news that you and I have on the inside of us this morning. There's resurrection hope sitting in this room by the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in you. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And that's point number three. The reality of seeing the risen Jesus today keeps us full of care for others. It keeps us full of care for others. You know, in that verse that we just read, I love the language of ambassador. Um, in fact, I actually, in Bible college at Father's House North End, it's one of the topics that I uh, spoke on, this um, thing of, this concept of being a kingdom citizen. Um, you know what it means to be an ambassador, right? An ambassador would be someone who a king would send to a foreign land on his behalf to carry out and take care of his kingly responsibilities while he's away. Oh. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is saying, there you go. I'm with you. I filled you with hope. I filled you with joy. I filled you with peace. Would you please take care of kingdom business in this foreign land? I'm coming back and we're going to be together again. But before then, please remember to use the faith that you have. Please remember to extend the hope that you have. Please remember to care for others while you're there because that's how they're going to know the same ministry of reconciliation that you have received. Back to the story quickly of those Emmaus Road disciples and what Jesus told them to do with what they had seen. This is, this is where it gets practical. Uh, in Luke 24, verse 46 to 49, he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father has promised. That's the Holy Spirit. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. We know how the church was started in the book of Acts, right? Disciples were gathered together, praying, upper room, Holy Spirit comes. And they start the church that's still going 2,000 years later. This is the call. 
This is the call. We are called to continue the story of the good news that we have received. You know, I was really challenged by this in thinking that in my, in my Christian journey, someone took the time to share their faith with me at some point. Someone took the time to share their faith with you, invited you to church or sent you a clip to watch online or invited you to join a worship event of some kind. And maybe that's what happened to you. Just like me, you, you saw Jesus for who he is sitting in church or online or might have even happened this morning or on Friday. And surely, friends, if we regard others as valuable also and the message that we have received as life-changing, then our conviction as followers of Christ must be to take that, that which we have received and share it with others. It's our call. It's our call. Um, I felt like there was so much that I wanted to say. And I, to be honest, this is probably the hardest thing about preparing an Easter message is what not to say. <laughs> we, could, we could focus on so many different things. But I, I just I want to conclude with one, one last thought, one um, Bonus round, if you will. Buy one, get none free sort of thing. Um, if we are honest with ourselves, right, and if I'm honest with myself, there, there are times when we don't always represent this new life that we have received in Christ to the full. Right? We don't always represent it well. We do mess up. We have our days, right? I'll be honest this morning, after last night, I felt like I was going to have one of those days. Lord, this is hectic. I need some resurrection power right now. You know, and like those on the road, when we see things around us, when we go through situations in life, we fall into this grumbling, this arguing, this dejection, this discouragement. Can we just be honest and say that we don't always get it right? But could I, could I just point out to you that, that in the pursuit of living out the resurrection power of Jesus that's on the inside of you, God has given you one more support structure. He's given you one more piece of strength or guidance to hold your hands up for those days when you feel weak. And guess what? You're sitting next to it. It's the church. It's the church. Look at, look at what the disciples did in Luke 24 when the Lord Jesus had left them and ascended into heaven. He led them out to the vicinity of Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising God. Friends, they went to church. <laughs> they went to church. You know, it bothers me, not only as a pastor, but as a believer, when people say, you know, I don't really need church. I'm okay on my own. You know, I can just do my thing. Um, manifesting. Always like manifesting. That's like demons. What are you manifesting on your own there? And people say that I'm okay. <laughs> In our pursuit of the resurrection life that Jesus has purchased for us, please never forget or neglect the unity that he calls us to live in within the context of the local church. That's so important. This is the fueling station, right? This is, this is the top up. This is the unleaded 95 with the supercharged engine, whatever. I don't know cars at all. Bar turbo, whatever. This is where you get topped up. This is the place where on those days where you can't hold your hands up, this is where someone next to you does it for you. Am I the only person that's been through a season of discouragement that sat in the back row of a church unable to sing? <laughs> Sometimes for weeks. But... Something happened in the seeing 
of other people's hands being raised and hearing the words of encouragement that got me through. Who knows where I would have been without the support structure, the bride of Christ called the church. In this pursuit, friends, may we never ever forget or neglect the unity that God is calling us to do. It's so vital to our spiritual growth. And, you know, without sounding too overly dramatic, I know we've got some milk tart to enjoy in just a few moments. Um, For those disciples on the road to Emmaus, they too had the benefit of the local church at their disposal to which they were committed. But it cost them more than just a 15-minute car ride to to remain committed. It cost them their lives, literally. Don't want to sound too heavy, but that's the extent to which the resurrection power of Jesus was at work in them. What's stopping you from becoming who God wants you to be? What's stopping you? Our confidence is that we have every hope in the message of the resurrection to never let another single obstacle get in our way of experiencing a miraculous life in and through Christ. He is risen, friends. And in him, so are you. So are you. Could you stand with me as we pray? What, uh, what an awesome weekend it's been. Celebrating what is the most incredible truth in all the world, that the Son of God, the one who didn't deserve the punishment, took it so we could get what He deserved. We're living in freedom because of what He purchased for us on the cross. And I guess my hope this morning is that we will walk out of here, wake up tomorrow with a sense of He has risen. Christ, the Redeemer, has risen. That changes things. That changes things. I am full of hope. I am full of vision and I am full of care with others. And it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is guiding us in this way. So Father, this morning we, we are just mindful again of the call, the, the precious call that you have placed on our lives to, to be your ambassadors. Father, we thank you also for your grace that extends to us and through us when we don't always get that right, when we ourselves feel those seasons of discouragement and despair. Would you help us, risen Jesus, to live this life out to the full because the world desperately needs your people who are full of hope, full of vision, full of care to extend that same hope to others. Father, thank you that you have reconciled us to yourself. You obliterated the greatest obstacle that could ever stand in our way, separation from you, death, it is done, it is defeated, Jesus, you conquered it all. And this morning we thank you for it. That is freedom, Father. Fear is dealt with, anxiety is dealt with, shame is dealt with, and now we are full of the resurrection life of Jesus. Father, thank you that nothing can stop us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Father, we thank you with excitement, with expectation, with joy for the season ahead because we will experience miracles because you're the miracle worker and you're still alive. We will experience transformation because you're still changing lives. We will experience breakthrough because you're still the God who breaks chains today. 
And we give you all the glory, all the honour and all the praise. And as one body united under Jesus' name, Father's house, Jeffrey's Bay said, Amen. Amen. Church, let's, let's lift up one last shout of praise and glory to God. Worship for who He is. So.